Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at Steve NFL on Twitter and of course follow the group at UK Packers. And did I get a little bit too excited at the intro? Yes, I did. Am I like a giggly, um, can I say schoolgirl? Schoolboy? Do schoolboys get giggly? I don't know. So here we go. We're back. I'm back. Stepped away uh, for a while. Uh, I had to deal with some family stuff and in doing so, I managed to afford myself a small hiatus from social media. So I didn't really, well, mostly. So I got on, you know, did the bare minimum uh, that I needed to do. You can see that from the group account. Uh, but for me personally, stayed away from Facebook, um, largely uh, Twitter and all that good stuff. And you know what? I realized by doing it that nothing changes. <laughs> It's all the same. As much as I give out about social media and a bunch I have to keep doing it and all this lark, uh, the more I sort of see that, look, if if Twitter was to just go away, if all of these stuff was to just go away, not a whole lot changes. Um, I don't know if people get on there and they get angered about it. But one thing Twitter is great for, obviously, is uh, interacting with fans, especially when the season rolls around. So already looking at the podcast numbers, even though I haven't released a podcast since, you know, whatever it is, a week ago, two weeks ago. I can already see the numbers jumping up. So for everybody who's back, because that's what people do, I find. It's different for me, I guess, and for some other fans out there who kind of, you know, keep plugged into the Matrix. But for a lot of people, and I can see this from the podcast numbers, what I see is that people kind of take a break from it all, um, which is difficult to do, you know, with the whole uh, COVID thing and people being stuck inside. But it's good to have these all back is what I say, and I hope you enjoyed some of the recap episodes and looking at different um, interviews and stuff, and it's good to interact with people meaningfully-ish on um, Twitter and all that good stuff again on Facebook and see people chatting Packers again, meaningful Packers stuff and not just like, oh, he's just new boots, <laughs> something ridiculous. So we've loads to talk about um, since I'm back, Kenny Clark being the main one. So there was an interview from sort of me chatting to Kenny Clark. I said he was due a Whopper contract and dear God, um, he's become the highest paid nose tackle in NFL history, which I know anybody listening to the podcast, look, you know all that already. I'm not going to say anything different than what anybody else is going to say, just that he's been hyper productive in that position that he's been in. You know, this is a good guy, a good people person, good leader in the locker room, not a rah-rah guy, a solid work ethic uh, super young. This is the thing about him, and this is sort of fits in with Goody's modus operandi. So everybody getting their knickers in a twist over the fact that we haven't signed any veteran wide receivers, even though we signed some. And that's what I. Someone told me that before that if a player is in the league more than a year, two years, that they call them veterans. <laughs> so um, yeah, we signed some wide receivers. People aren't getting very excited about them or whatever. And I'm gonna get onto the training camp recap. So what I've done is. I've gathered up all of the reports and sort of the interesting little tidbits from the various reporters at camp and I've banged them all together uh, and that type of thing. And uh, uh, that feeds into what we see with the wide receivers. Maybe some exciting stuff like... And I know I'm not allowed to say, stop saying you're excited about the receivers we have, Steven. I know. And I do apologise. That's my off-mic uh, conscience, you know. I have to keep myself in check. God forbid... 
I get happy about the wide receivers that we have. Um, and there's some other uh, tidbits there as well. But look, back to Kenny Clark. Fits into that Goody mold in the sense that Goody said, this is what he said when he took over. Uh, mostly that he's his own person. It was like they put him and Ted Thompson as twins and he tried to differentiate about who he was. But after he got over that whole hang up, uh, the one thing that sort of fits is there's two things we can see. Number one, by his own admission, he wants players with the future that's still bright ahead of them. Now, he took a punt on the Smiths and people. some people say it's not a punt. Um, you know, I know Andy Davies said his number one player was Sadari Smith like four times, right? So... He was on Andy's radar, so it's not as if he uh, took a massive risk. However, both of these players were deemed as inconsistent, but Goody paid them big money and they showed up. And the thing about them was they had all of their potential in front of them. He wasn't going to sign some old players. Now that works. Julius Peppers was a revelation in Green Bay and a servant. Um, Jared Cook, arguably, as well. He came in, did the business. You know, it's that whole... um, Jared Cook catching the sidelines. He went to Jared. Uh, that whole thing. So it can work, but his one was, he was like, look, no, we're going to get the potential that's in front of them. We're going to get these young players. Kenny Clark is still only 17 years old. I mean, this guy, uh, for an NFL player who's super young, uh, he signed a 70 million four-year extension, uh, 25 million signing bonus and 37 million in the first two years. And again, did he come out after he got it signed and started... You know, you know, waving the dosh around and saying he's super confident. No, he's, you know, talking about him shaking when he was speaking to his mom and they woke him up at midnight. The dude was trying to get to sleep. How dare you wake him up and start banging um, contracts in his ear? And he said, let's do it. So he's in Green Bay now for the next while. He's going to ooze that confidence. Uh, but it's his work ethic that kind of stands out about him and the fact that he's a good guy. And also, he is our defensive line. Um, so that's going to help. Look, it adds stability there. And from what we're seeing in the practices, which I'll get to in a second, is that we see that kind of consistency roll over. So it seems this team is hungry. Um, it seems we've sort of brushed up on the playbook. It looks like the dudes were doing their homework. Um, an awful lot of these guys were doing good work in the offseason and they've come back ready to ball. And another tidbit that came out was, because most of these interviews are pretty um, languid affairs. I mean, it's just, they, oh, so how do you feel about this season? Yeah, I feel great. Uh, oh, you know, what's your goals to play good? I mean, it's just, some of the stuff is just nonsensical. But one thing that of value that came out was MVS spoke to the media and said he had an ankle injury. Now, he also had that knee injury, but the ankle injury persisted last year but said that he hasn't lost confidence. There's talk from Rob Tomoski said that he bought him a... Not he didn't buy him, Jesus. Um, MVS bought a jugs machine and, you know, he's he's practicing because he couldn't get to normal reps and all this good stuff. Now, that's very reminiscent to me of Devontae Adams. People will see the monster that Adams is now and I wax about it all the time. Uh, but this hopefully will look up for MVS. But today on training camp on day three of... Um, which was the first day of pad of practice, which we always get some handbags, some slaps, people throwing hands, um, and also we get injuries, and that's happened, so you can't account for injuries and all that. Vince Beagle was cut down in his prime, uh, tackling a donut at um, Packers camp, so it happens, you know what I mean? But MVS, you know, credits that injury to his drop-off in form, and I hope that, sincerely, that that's true. But can we be happy for MVS? I hope so. Can we have Pepe for uh, ESP? Uh, yeah. Can uh, What about Alan Lazard? Like, 
I got we got this notification, the um, Bleacher Report. Oh, it's all going to depend on Adam Lazard. Like, what a way to pack on the pressure on these guys. I understand a veteran was needed, and I also understand that in the draft um, that we sort of forewent. It was foregone in the draft um, for some of these positions like wide receiver and, you know, it's deemed that we dropped the ball. Now, it'd be an even bigger slap in the face, and it will happen, if um, some of these top-name wide receivers that we could have went for um, end up doing the business um, for the other teams. And they will, because they're they're good players, you know. But I guess the argument is is that we forewent, forewent a wide receiver and we went for Jordan Love and could he be the future of the franchise, blah. And then AJ Dillon, these are all usual crap talking points. And then AJ Dillon, was he a reach and all this type of stuff. Now, um, I heard this for the first time today and I apologise if you've heard it too, but the Theisman Trophy <laughs> Award winner, that's just excellent. You see this, as much as I rail against Twitter, it's stuff like the Theisman Trophy uh, that AJ Dillon uh, wins in Packers training camp. I mean, that's just worth all of the rancid abuse uh, that flies around the misinformation and the crumbling of our society as we know it on Twitter, uh, you know, <laughs> back in my day. So, yeah, I understand the logic that, uh, you know, the draft is whatever. But what annoys me is, is that all the people coming out and uh, farting all over the draft and saying how crap it was and then want to get on the bandwagon about how good these players are. But bearing in mind, of course, that is training camp. And so, um, you know, Tim Boyle, MVP of training camp and preseason um, last year. And, you know, is it going to translate? Who knows? Jay Kummerl, uh, the hype king, you know, Packers Jesus or Whitewater Jesus or whatever people want to call him. There's stories that will come out in training camp that we will overreact to. And all of this hype about Guara and uh, AJ Dillon and even Vernon Scott um, Samuels, I mean, there's names being bandied around the place saying, oh, don't sleep on this player. Yeah, let's see them in, in game time. I guess let's sandwich the good news with a little bit of bad news for people. So um, wide receiver Daryl Stewart released tight end James Looney, the James Looney project. Uh, he's out the door. And also the Mark Antoine de Croix. Um, big things touted for him and also shown the door so that was even before they practiced so people were like oh it's a bit harsh jesus won't practice and they didn't get what they no they were all released before um and that was a numbers game according to insider inbox from weston hotquits um so that's a lowdown on their careers sort of coming to an end in green bay uh god knows what happened you know practice squad wise although you wouldn't imagine um that'd be the case if they released them this early they keep them sticking around and let someone else go so what i'm gonna do is let's recap how we got on day one two and three of training camp and let's see who stands out why and why that's good and all the rest um training camp it's a weird one no bikes at practice for obvious reasons um, the practices are also close to the fans. We saw stories from people arriving from New York trying to look underneath tarp. Uh, fair play for traveling from uh, COVID-infested uh, state to come and bring it into Green Bay and stand outside and cough all over the tarp. So that's great. Um, media interviews all done virtually as well. You know, there's some nice little sound bites, and it's usually the veterans you have to go to to get any sort of uh, nice sound bite. Tim Boyle talking up a storm um Shannon Sullivan as well talking up a storm and I get to that now in a short bit you know Tim Boyle saying Aaron Rodgers is in a great mood but anyway more on that later in the show um also the St Norbert's streak um came to an end so Scooter McLean 1958 
they all go to St. Norbert's, they all dorm there and go to practice. Uh, that's over now. And it's obvious why that's the case. Uh, but look, the general consensus on day one was that it was a good practice. Uh, things that are, you know, being touted as to why. People are just happy to see them back in the building, I guess. But there was, you know, there was no, um, there was one delay game. No one jumping offside. All the reporters on social media said it was pretty crisp. Because uh, one of the things from last year was, and it was to do with the playbook apparently, that people were low to the line of scrimmage. Matt LaFleur was getting annoyed and peed off. Uh, he said that some of the stuff was lacklustre. He'd come out again and say, I don't know why the energy was so low. This is weird. And the fact that they come back day one, um, you know, there's reports out there that say that what did not look like a quarantine practice, that people were coming out, hitting it hard, looking crisp. People were looking in great shape. There was no slovenly figures out there and they're all doing well. Aaron Rodgers agreed, said it was good practice. Matt LaFleur came out, said it was a good practice. So look, there's new players in the building. They got their hands on, I think it was Christian Kirksey and was asking him about it. He said it was great to be in green and gold. A real non-story. Um, but as I said, massive amount of pressure on the young wide receivers this year. Alan Lazard in particular. Now, uh, I did kind of a hype video doing his top 10 catches uh, with some bonus footage um, on YouTube, which is, I think, one of our most watched videos uh, that we've put out. So it's worth going back and checking that out. Um, but he's taking it well. I mean, the dude is full of confidence. His social media has a lot of swagger to it. Um, and I've, you know, I've got big expectations for Lazard and MVS and ESB and all the boys. And I just say this, like, you know, as this is not the same Green Bay Packers team that we're used to. And I can't remember what reporter said it, but, you know, we're used to Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb and then whack, you know, a, a tight end in there and a run him. And it's just the usual stuff. This is not the case. We see that from um, AJ Dillon being drafted, uh, Aaron Jones and what type of a unit he is and how much he was used in the in the receiving game, passing game. Um, and we see Matt LaFleur coming out and talking about AJ Dillon's hands, that he has good hands as well as having tree trunk legs. Can we talk about the tree trunk legs? People are going on like tree trunks is a new phrase. Is it just Irish Irish thing? Because tree trunks, legs like tree trunks. Uh, that's a common phrase over here. Legs like tree trunks. And people seem to be really rolling with it. Anyway, um, so Matt LaFleur was talking about AJ Dillon's hands. And we see on day two, for instance, and I'll get to that now in a second, um, that the tight ends were getting a lot of work as well. So this is a very different offense. In Green Bay. It's not, you know, I've said it before and I think I got some reaction on social media. I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, about, you know, the most successful offenses last year had a strong presence of running back and tight end play. And it wasn't all about the wide receivers. Now, if we can get Alan Lazard and MVS being very serviceable at number two, um, well, then I think this offense can be off and clicking potentially. Anyway, um, so day one, it was sort of marked with who wasn't participating. Um, Crosby was out there, but he ended up kicking, but he wasn't really participating. And that else, Patrick Taylor, Curtis Bolton, Simon Stepaniak, and Josh Nyman Sternberger was out as well, and so was Hester. Uh, now, some of these boys come back in, but one notable thing was is Leglu was in at uh, snapper because uh, we saw that Hunter Bradley uh, wasn't around. Uh, Tyler Irvin. Making splashes, Swerving Irvin uh, was working with the wide receivers on day one. And as we will see the days kind of progress into training camp, there's so much hype around Swerving Irvin. Um, so we remember he was he came in, I think it was week 13, 
uh, last year when our return game was just abysmal and he comes back in and you know makes a name for himself when we made that sort of late playoff run um, you know he was doing really well he was kind of seen as that gadget guy as well so every day I've seen reports that Tyler Irvin is doing really well now Matt Schneidman uh, turns around and said that uh, Irvin is a lock for the roster he's definitely going to be the return man and also don't sleep on him when it comes to sort of this sort of wide receiver uh, running back hybrid uh, dare we name any other names in the past to fit that role but anyway uh, tight ends also uh, getting hype because of their size so when they look at the Guara uh, and also Robert Tanyan who himself is getting an awful lot of hype this camp uh, Tanyan is and Jay Sternberger they're all really really big dudes now of course you'd expect that from a tight end but I think it was Wes Hodd was saying you, you just can't grasp how big the Guara is until you see him and that certainly seems to be the case uh, and that's the second part of Goody's kind of prototype isn't it he wants these big imposing tall players it's weird in some positions he wants to kind of just out tall someone out tall and out muscle someone and he goes for these big players I mean Hodkowitz if I can call him that Weston uh, turned around and said that uh, Travis Fulcom um, also at 6'2 you would think he's bigger he's like he said he was looks like 6'4 he's got these massive long legs he's really imposing out on the field so with a team that got kind of accused of being bullied and pushed around the field like sort of playground football uh it's interesting to see goody building this sort of giant you know roster of giant men uh i don't know whether it's in response to that accusation that they got pushed around a little bit more or whether he believes that you know a bigger team is more physically imposing and you can sort of just by sheer size and height you can get the advantage on someone which to a degree is probably true but anyway also tim boyle has again become training camp MVP. He had a crazy um, completion percentage and quarterback rating in preseason last year. And Matt Schneidman of the Athletic reports that you know the number two quarterback job is you know definitely up to Tim Boyle. That if it came to it and you had to put Boyle or Love in, it's it's a no brainer to Boyle. AJ Dillon, the Heisman Trophy winner, just brilliant, just absolutely excellent. Dad jokes all around. You know, I mean, I appreciate it. Uh, does the hype on the leg size? Uh, and apparently from day one he looked really smooth uh, we've quotes from Christian Kirksey coming out and saying that you know you'd want to kind of tackle him high but you see the size of his legs and you're like Jesus let's go low but then you've got to contend with those Saquon Barkley style pins um, you know he coined the tree trunks thing as did Matt Schneidman uh, which somehow went viral which is pretty popular here but anyway uh, LaFleur says he hasn't seen a running back like him in his career in the league uh, which is nuts. Aaron Jones says he's a really nice guy. You know, he's kind of quiet, but he comes about his business. Aaron Rodgers called him a big boy. Um, and he is, he's a big lad. I mean, the problem with AJ Dillon is that every pair of shorts look like short shorts. I mean, the guy's arse. <laughs> Jesus, I peeked off the charts when I said arse um, and legs. Just ridiculous. Just, I don't know how the guy wears jeans. Um, he kind of looks maybe it's just Incredible Hulk style where he puts them on and then just rips you know like let's think back to Brett Favre when he got drafted in his jean shorts in his jorts pretty much what AJ Dillon probably has to do you know um, and again not a really tall dude just an absolute bowling ball I was totally behind the hype with him 
from the get-go because the guy just carries 17 men uh, into the end zone, which is weird because that exceeds the amount of players on defense. Anyway, uh, DeGuara and Gary also getting loads of first-team reps. So DeGuara, you know, people didn't really know how they were going to use him, uh, but he seemed to get an awful lot of action. Rashan Gary... Also, the hype train is in full motion. They've banged in extra coal uh, because there's talk of him, you know, getting a ton of reps um, in the first team. He's an outside linebacker physique now. He's apparently leaned out a little bit. Now, he is, to me, the absolute MVP of social media promotion. I think he's got his own agency. He's got his own logo. And it's just mostly him grunting and huffing and puffing and shouting in all of his videos. So if you can translate that to the field, uh, well, then happy days. But... You know, they're saying the Smiths are a lock, he's a lock. And then with the people followed in uh, behind them as well. Stanford Samuel, his name is coming up every day. Uh, he gets a nice pass breakup that saves a touchdown in first team reps. Uh, Raven Green is also back from injury. And, you know, I see some reporters again, I can't remember the name of the reporter saying that. He's the real good luck story for the Packers. He's coming in, uh, he's looking pretty sharp. And if he's not on the action, he's very close to it all the time. And also Chandon Sullivan was a very interesting quote because I've talked about it on a different podcast about, you know, Jerry Gray and what impact that he's going to have. Uh, and Chandon Sullivan's coming in to take the place of Tremont Williams as that nickel corner. And he credits his early success and it is very goddamn early uh, and confidence to Jerry Gray. Um, he sort of says that he's going to bring him up that sort of to a certain level but Jerry Gray is the new secondary coach he's coming in he's got a wealth of experience I've talked about him before on the podcast so already he's making inroads with these players and it seems that there's kind of a swagger from the defensive backs um, which is largely placed at Jerry Gray's feet which is brilliant to see that response straight away an absolute masterstroke by the Packers and getting someone with his wealth of experience which Mike Petten with him talking um, I don't know where that was where that meeting was or whatever but he was talking to Jerry Gray and they pretty much knew that there were going to try and make this happen when they came into this season and it's brilliant that they pulled that off uh, Mason Crosby ended up kicking at the end of day one and nailed eight out of nine and when Wes Hodkowitz was asked in the insider inbox how's Mason looking he said it's the usual old Mason uh, so he's kicking some ass the real intriguing thing from day one is the offensive line so we see this uh, competition now between Billy Turner Lane Taylor and Rick Wagner who uh, on that right side of the line you know, it's old news now with Elton Jenkins and Lane Taylor, and then Lane Taylor was deemed to be let go, that surplus to requirement. And then there was this talk uh, amongst all the journalists of like, oh, what do they do when they've slotted two players that they want to go with? Onto the offensive line, does a third player kind of get traded away? And the thinking out there is, is that they keep the other player around for rotational purposes. So Billy Turner was in at right tackle, Lane Taylor, Lane Taylor in at right guard. And uh, then Turner became the right guard and Ricky Wagner became the right tackle. And then Taylor comes in at right guard with Wagner at the right tackle. So when LaFleur was asked about it, what is he going to do? He says, look, that's a daily competition every single day. We're just going to keep rotating the lads. Um, a weird situation, I'd say, for the boys. Maybe good because if, if you're listening and you've been in your job for quite some time, how annoying would it be to think that you've earned your stripes um, and you come in and then you end up sort of battling it out with other veterans and you're kind of thinking, geez, I thought I put enough on tape at this stage uh, to secure this spot. But Aaron Rodgers is happy about it. He sort of says the same. Look, you have these guys with massive game day experience. They're all fighting out for these spots. What a fantastic position to be in. You're not saying that if you're Lane Taylor and the boys. 
Uh, but again, it is good. What I like about it is it shows maturity in the sense that the Packers didn't bring in uh, Rick Wagner and just go, there's your job. Uh, you know, to bring them in and getting them to compete. Because, you know, Devontae Adams, uh, Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers. You look at these guys and you're like, yeah, of course their jobs are not up for grabs. You know, but they're always going to look, oh, we want some nice fresh competition to bring in. It's not always the case for very obvious reasons. But when it comes to this, this seems like an absolute legit battle. And we're going to see this last for the whole of camp, really. And especially if some of these players are going to be kept there. Now, um, as we progress through kind of the names that kind of stand out in the little bits and pieces, we'll see that some of these offensive linemen are getting injured. Corey Lindsley being one, David Bakhtiari being another. Um, so there is opportunities for sure for these guys and where you would see the usual backup that doesn't seem to be happening but more on that later in the show um, so day one practice lasted one hour and 44 minutes and was seen as a good one weirdly day two lasted the exact same amount of time now I don't know whether that's just happenstance where it's not used enough definite word of the podcast um, or you know LaFleur just has his schedule down to one hour and 44 minutes for some reason Um but they nailed that time again. Again, the consensus overall, overarching, good clean practice, uh, only one delay game, which was the same as day one, um, and no false starts. So Matt LaFleur likes the leadership on the field, he likes the command on offense, and he also liked how they moved up to the line with urgency, which was the massive sticking point last year, was that they weren't quick enough up to the line of scrimmage. Um, Leglu continued on day two to be the snapper. Um, as Hunter Bradley was still out so Mason was practicing for distance of between 30 to 49 and there was you know he'd kick 10 and there was they see they don't have anybody signaling the kicks for the reporter so they actually don't know how many they make um, so he either made 9 or all 10 of those potentially I give Mason the benefit of the doubt and say that he nailed all 10 because he's a man ledge um, and then we saw videos come out on this day of Aaron Rodgers and the boys slinging balls into nets as well Aaron Rodgers of course on the money like people were kind of losing their mind about it saying it was all great and it is fantastic to see and you know it's like Messi banging in penalties but when it's Messi banging in penalties it's just Messi banging in penalties you know and Aaron Rodgers banging in balls to nets from 10 yards 15 yards 20 yards it's just like yeah look Aaron could pick the ball up um, with his left hand and header the ball into the net from, from that range he's just a smooth operator um, Jay Sternberger was in on day two so was uh, Trayvon Hester as well. Uh, players out, Patrick Taylor, Curtis Bolton, Hunter Bradley, Greg Roberts, who I don't think is even at practice because I think he's the at-risk player for, for potentially having COVID, I think. Uh, Simon Stepaniak and Josh Nyman um, also not practicing. So day two, we see Oren Burks and Christian Kirksey taking first-team reps together as well, uh, which kind of makes sense. Christian Kirksey obviously seen as the lock. Um, and Oren Barks coming in and seeing as kind of the last chance saloon after that pec injury. But there was a story released, I think it was Rob Domofsky, where he talks about how, you know, he was sort of weaker after that injury and he got back to benching some um, silly weight by the end of last season. Um, so apparently he's looking good in training. Swervin Irvin looked amazing on day two again, uh, making some nice catches, bursting through holes. Uh, on a jet sweep, you know, Aaron Rodgers is fist bumping, saying he's the absolute dude. And... As I said, Matt Schneidman reports that Swervin Irvin looks like an absolute lock. So they put him in front of the media and he says the usual stuff that all he needs is a chance. It's great to see that though, because it's nice to see a sort of narrative that, you know, a guy isn't drafted, he's brought in late, rescues the team from embarrassment and continues to perform, but apparently looks really, really lively. I think it was Wes Hodd said 
um, that he's the type of guy who used to play sport, uh, you know, in school, where if you were to look at him, he's not really imposing, uh, but he just kind of runs rings around everybody else. Interesting on the offensive line is that Jake Hansen uh, played with the second team, as did Lucas Patrick, and Lucas Patrick will be seen as kind of the backup to centre. Now, Corey Lindsley's out, Jake Henson uh, played second team reps at centre with Lucas Patrick at right guard, so that could be an interesting development because... As good as it is that Kenny Clark got that massive contract, you would imagine that David Bakhtiari is the next, you know, priority when it comes to contract. You know, it's a toss-up for people between him and Aaron Jones, right? Um, and then it's that whole salary cap that could dip next year, and that's where the pain is going to be, is going to be next year. So can they afford it? So when it comes to renewing contracts, Lindsley is on the chopping block here for next year. So we'll see what they can do with bringing people in behind him. And the worst thing you want to do in the O-line right now is get injured. We've seen that with the likes of Lane Taylor and Elton Jenkins. Um, and Jake Hansen is coming in at centre as well, which adds a depth of experience. And look, the Packers always like their O-linemen to come in and shift about the place. Devontae Adams looking sharp, uh, catching anything that's slung his way uh, during practice as well. The rotation on the O-line still happening. Ricky Wagner in at right tackle, Billy Turner at right guard. And then they put Turner at right tackle and Lane Taylor at right guard. And um, they keep mixing them up on day two. So then there's re reports coming out that AJ Dillon uh, hauled in that pass, which Matt LaFleur talks about it after practice. And he says, look, you know, that could have made him stand to attention. Um, and he comments to say all he needs is exposure to that type of stuff to catch balls. Now, if we look at the Matt LaFleur offense and we've only got a small sample size in Green Bay in year one, Aaron Jones was an absolutely ridiculous revelation style uh, pass catcher and he might be expecting the same from AJ Dillon so he caught a nice pass from none other than uh, Tim Boyle and you know there's talk about him trying to increase that also there's reports of him doing some uh, protection work um, and he's doing well with that as well so AJ Dillon is really standing out in camp for people kind of like his you know, college highlights might show that he was doing. Alan Lazard as well is grabbing some nice passes in traffic. And there's commentary on uh, day two that, you know, he was building this chemistry and this rhythm um, and he was on point with Aaron Rodgers. Um, Tyler Irvin, again, as I said, doing really, really well. And Wes Hodkwitz put out a tweet that says Shepard and Lazard are bringing everything down that's thrown their way in 2020 and sort of says they did the same in 2019 as well. And certainly from, you know, doing those top 10 catches for Lazard, it was just majestic uh, to see how open he got last season. So again, big things um, expected. The offense seemed to be buzzing day two, which just throws a little bit off. We see stuff like, you know, Aaron Rodgers is throwing... Uh, over Kumaro just by a, a tad so it all looks to be buzzing and it's on day two that we see reports come out that Rashawn Gary looks leaner and seems to be primed for you know that another outside linebacker position he's getting heavy reps in camp um, and it's leading people to speculate that the Packers really expect him to make that jump up I love the quote that he said as well that he's growing into his grown man body well fair play Rashan, because I've been trying to grow into my grown man body now for quite some time it's not happening. So, um, you know, there's big things expected of Gary. People are going to apply just that whole, you know, first round bust moniker that is just waiting in the wings to be sort of copy pasted onto his name. So you would ex he expects to take a step up. His body percentage is still like 9, 10%. So the guy's looking ridiculous still. Uh, but he's looking leaner and meaner. 
Um, and I hope that he does really, really well. But the, the jury's obviously still out. It's so annoying for him, I'd say, to come onto the team and then get stuck behind um, the Smiths. But look how much he could learn. Uh, Kirksey picks off A-Rod on day two. Uh, always a badge of honour to pick off A-Rod. And people start celebrating and diving all over the place and slap ass, and which is a really nice touch that it's such a you know a celebration uh, for the team. Vernon Scott as well makes his name uh, with two bra- pass breakups at the end of practice, uh, you know, sort of a late rounder, and he's really vying for that spot. So, again, it's hard to know whether he will just be a name that's bandied around. So, you know, he had a great camp both see you, um, so we don't know. He got put both of those pass breakups, by the way, uh, from passes thrown by Jordan Love. Uh, take that how you will. Tim Boyle, looking polished uh, this is where we see a long form come out on day two just about how balls he really is but it's when they spoke to him in this interview that he started talking about Aaron Rodgers demeanor now this is where I don't want to blow people's mind with science and we all know that I'm the body language expert here at UK Packers HQ so if we get into what Tim Boyle was saying is, is that look the fear was is that Aaron Rodgers was going to come in He was going to start pouting and sulking and getting his game face on and God knows how it could have went. But apparently he's in great spirits. He's goofing around um, and he's really soaking it all in and enjoying it. And he seems good in interviews as well. And that's coming from, you know, an expert in body language. I mean, I don't know how else. I should be charging you for this goddamn expertise, right? So it's good. It's good that Aaron is coming in. Uh, He's the life and soul of the party. He's been... Uh, amiable on the field he's been great in the quarterback room and Tim Boyle says it's great to sit behind him so it's brilliant that we have a seasoned vet who's slinging it into nets uh, should be operating at a high level still and is working as kind of an inspiration and tutoring these young guys uh, coming up behind him and look here's the science part right Aaron Rodgers is smiling a lot which I can only mean back-to-back Super Bowls because we saw him smile on the field and he would just annihilate everybody but when he came out sulky a bit pissy you know like I mean stuff didn't go so well so he's smiling in training camp uh, lads and ladies so it's good news you know need I say any more day three 18th of August today Tuesday uh, this practice was shorter it lasted an hour and nine minutes speculation there is is because people were going off injured uh, Zadari Smith being one, David Bakhtiari being another, uh, Montrevious Adams was turning heads as well on some nice plays, but he picked up an injury and ended up being carted off to the Hudson Centre. According to Ian Rappaport, Rob Domofsky, they said that that isn't serious. Another thing as well was, is throughout the first two days, you'll see that um, is Josh Jackson. So this is a guy who we saw was kind of handsy. You know, he'd lost his place to everybody uh, last year, despite the fact that he could have been out there on the field healthy, but he wasn't. Um, so he finishes the practice on day three with a pass breakup. He had been getting burned in practice and it was that kind of ruminations that they were like, Jesus, Josh Jackson's name's coming up and not very favourable at all. Uh, but when they did the one-to-one drills, he did well against Kumaro. Uh, he got done for a holding against MVS. So he's a mixed bag for him, I think, at the moment. But this is again a scene as his kind of make or break um, year. Corey Lindsley... Uh, we haven't seen him yet again uh, in in practice on day three today. He was out again, uh, and otherwise the same same players were out. So we see Curtis Bolton, Greg Roberts nowhere to be seen. Uh, Simon Stepaniak, Josh Nyman, and Patrick Taylor all out. So it's drop back drills for the quarterbacks, and it's a great video. I don't know who put it out. It could have been uh, Wes Hodkowitz or Rob Domofsky showing the 
you know, the where they're practicing their dropbacks and their three and five step drops. And there's one video where you can see Tim Boyle, Aaron Rodgers, and Jordan Love in the same frame. And it's close enough that you can see their footwork. And it's just such a brilliant visual representation of where every player is in their career. Tim Boyle and A-Rod, you know, very similar dropbacks um, and timing. Whereas you see Jordan Love still kind of working on it. So obviously, guys, that means that Jordan Love is a bust. You know, I mean, just cut him. Um, so, you know, it's, it's amazing to see his development and how it will progress over the years on that kind of stuff uh, and it's good to see that he's going to get that tutoring and, and people talking about polishing up his game also we saw one-on-ones between the wide receivers and cornerbacks um, and apparently there was great battles between Adams and uh, Alexander there's great stuff between King versus Lazard um, and Jackson as I said came up against Kumaro and MVS so if that doesn't give you an indication of where they're sort of seen in the pecking order I don't know what will uh, Adrian Amos comes down with a pick on Rodgers as well apparently Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams just weren't on the same page and uh, Matt Schneidman says that Adrian Amos you know he's the most underrated player the majority of the time because he doesn't really make these splash plays and pass breakups and everything else he's just really dependable but he said in camp he's doing really really well um, this was the first padded practice which is why we see these one-on-ones and people getting knocked on their ass um, and AJ Dillon is gets the pads on and apparently still looking super sharp which would be expected um sternberger and mercedes lewis both drop passes sternberger's a perfectly thrown pass from tim boyle and mercedes lewis drops a pass from rogers not a great day uh, for the tight ends uh injury wise that ari smith gets carted off um montrevious adams as i say gets carted off we see lazard coming in and blocking doing some nice blocking as well um swerving Irvin still doing really well on day three so that's showing that consistency um, and adams just being Devontae adams of course uh, kevin king comes down with an interception in the red zone they blitz darren rogers the d did and he comes down and makes purchase which is exactly what you want to see uh come game time stamford samuel so i think i'm gonna have to come up with a some sort of a red alert uh again Stamford Samuel has everything to lose um, you know he's, he's sort of right on the bubble and he's he's making some nice stuff he picked off uh, Tim Boyle in the red zone as well so it looked to me that on day three and for you know day two as well um, that Tonyan and the boys were targeted and we see this thing of they're look you know Bobby Tonyan Robert Tonyan is looking pretty sharp he gets name dropped a lot um, in interviews and not to sleep on him being tight end number one uh, which is arbitrary, really, you know, when you're talking about one and two. Uh, I'd say they'll be using them in multiple tight end sets. We've been saying that for a long time now. Uh, Bakhtiari limped off the field as well. As of recording, there is nothing uh, as sort of an update as to how Bakhtiari was doing, although he did leave the field on his own volition, which again is word number two of the podcast. So that's where we stand with training camp, day one, two, and three. Some nice stuff there from... Um, Swerve and Irvin, we see Alan Lazard and Aaron Rodgers building up their rapport. We see the offensive line on the right side flipping and switching around the place, which is good. Unfortunately, we picked up some injuries from some key players. But as I saw someone say, I don't know where it was, I think it was Twitter or something, that Zadari Smith used to get knocked on his ass all the time in games. And you think he was out and you'd be like, oh no. And then he'd just come back up like some sort of uh, zombie back from the dead. Uh, Tim Boyle is looking good. You know, it's not really a talking point. Um, in the sense that it, it just makes it more complicated to how many um, quarterbacks that they keep on the roster for game day because if he's lighting it up and they let him go and think they're going to land him on the practice squad, that probably won't happen. Um, AJ Dillon looking as advertised. Deguara also looking like an absolute unit. 
Mason Crosby being Mason Crosby, Rashan Gary being leaner and meaner and looking good. Uh, the cornerbacks being bolstered by Jerry Gray coming in and, you know, really starting with that mental side. Shannon Sullivan um, coming in in replace of Tremont Williams and doing really well as well. Um, and, you know, some of the boys coming down with some good passes. AJ Dillon going to be working on his hands. It's all to look for because of the way this is set up with how many players that they need to cut uh, to get down to figures. And they don't have any preseason to go by. Um, now, it's always said that you kind of know what you have in practice. And then when it comes to preseason, it's very valuable, especially for those players kind of on the fringe. Uh, but when it comes to it, the preseason kind of only solidifies what they think they know about the player. So I don't know if it's going to be a good thing or a bad thing that they will trust their tape work um, as opposed to under the lights. But one of the interesting things that they're going to do in practice training camp um, this season is that they're going to play and do a couple of those in Lambeau Field. Now, I don't know if the, the intention is to kind of pump crowd noise in even though there won't be crowds there, at least for the first two home games in Lambeau anyway. But we've seen that in Premier League, right, where they pipe in the crowd noise to make it sound authentic. Um, and whether they'll do that for this, I don't know. But either way, there'll be bright lights in Lambeau Field um, and it'll be a good sort of, uh, you know, testing point, I guess, to, to these players. And even the veterans, I mean, they're going to have to get used to that weird atmosphere. Aaron Rodgers sort of said that it was a reminder in camp of just how weird the whole thing has got. The fact that there was no people there and there was no bike tradition and, you know, no fans hanging out and screaming and cheering for, you know, interceptions and everything else. Um, But yeah, look, it's the sign of the times. It's great being back with you guys. Um, I really enjoy doing the, the podcast and I love your feedback as well. Uh, really quick mention, I'm going to do this in 10 seconds, which is unlike me. The Packers face masks, UK Packers face masks are uh, for sale on the site. So if you want to look safe in style, you can get on and do that. And of course, we have some signed merch in the 1919 Club store. You can also support on patreon.com forward slash UK Packers. And you can do that now in the correct currency. So Patreon allowed. Um us to you know you can do your pledges in gbp because it was usd and we're getting queries people saying is that right um so that's what it is so you can support there if you sign up to the um fiverr tier you get a free t-shirt after six months it's literally all of your money we just get give it back to you in, in the form of a t-shirt um, and then if you sign up to the gold member tier you get uh, a guaranteed entry every single month in our signed march raz uh, which is released on YouTube. So do go across youtube.com forward slash UK Packers. You also get a free t-shirt too. Um, um, honestly, thank you for the support because a lot of work goes into to doing this stuff. But anyway, I've been at Steve NFL on Twitter. Give me a follow, follow the group at UK Packers and get across all the social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, the private group on Facebook, which is bumping, and the YouTube channels because I'm hoping to get back to 10 Minute Tuesday now that there's some meaningful stuff to talk about and it isn't just clutching at straws and insulting everybody with no content. Um, just like oh what do you think of Aaron Rodgers silly hat and a handlebar moustache um, so it's going to be good stuff anyway I'll leave it there uh, for this week I'll talk to you again next week it's great to be back and it's a big go pack go see you then